0: society 13 podcast network redefining podcasts do you like to listen
1: shh it's me april you know from virginia we need to be quiet and concentrate i have my ouija board out let's see if we can contact any spirits tonight okay here it goes Ooh, it's moving T-E-L-L. Tell! T-H-E-M. Them. Tell them! The spirits want me to tell you something really great. I'm an executive producer of the History Goes Bump podcast, and you can be one, too. This episode is entirely listener-supported. If you would like to be an executive producer like me, then check out the support the show tab at historygoesbump.com. Well, we better put this board away before we get caught tempting the spirits. We wouldn't want Denise finding out. It's getting pretty spooky outside, too. Wouldn't want you getting caught in a storm. Oh my goodness, what was that noise? Who turned out the lights? Ah! History tells the story of the world and of our lives. Sometimes that history goes bump in the night. Broadcasting from the center of oddity and the supernatural in central Florida, it's the History Goes Bump Podcast.
0: Hello, you spectacular people. Welcome to this 208th episode of the History Goes Bump podcast.
2: Ghost tours for the theater of the mind. I am your host, Diane. And this is Denise.
0: On today's episode, we are bringing you a location that was suggested to us by our listener, Sarah Norton, and that is Fort Henry up in Ontario, Canada. So we're going to Canada today, Denise.
2: Perfect. I love going to the north in the summer or via the podcast.
0: And Sarah will be joining us towards the end of this episode to share with us a little bit about her experiences at this location. We want to welcome to the Spooktacular crew, Lisa. Hey, Lisa. Valerie. Hi, Valerie. Michael. Hey, Michael. This is a great name. Athanasia.
2: Hello, Athanasia.
0: And boy, am I glad she told me how to phonetically say that, so hopefully we got it right. Victoria. Hey, Victoria. Cheryl with a C. Hey, Cheryl with a C. Ashley. Hey, Ashley. And Tracy. Hi, Tracy. And now, This Moment in Oddity.
2: And This Moment in Oddity was suggested by Melissa Antonelli. In Perryman, Maryland, there is an old church graveyard at Spesutia Church of St. George's Parish. A very unusual grave is in this cemetery. Legend claims that it belonged to a captain who directed his men to bring him here and bury him in such a way that his feet would never touch dry ground. People claim that the sailors carried their captain up a hill from the Chesapeake Bay, filled his casket with rum, and buried him as requested. A rock group named Captain Quint even wrote a song about the legend called The Swinging Sailor of Perryman. The chorus goes, On his sea legs he'll forever stand, a man obsessed with one last request, To never touch his feet upon dry land. The grave belongs to a man named John Clark Monk, and there is no record that he was ever a captain and made such a request. But his burial is so bizarre that clearly something akin to this legend must be the true story. He has been dubbed the Swinging Sailor, and the grave is built as a large concrete box sitting upon a stone slab. But Mr. Monk's remains are not in the concrete box. Rather, he is inside of a coffin that is suspended from the chains that hang underneath the slab. There are cracks in the slab that allow visitors to peer down into the space. No one is really certain why he was buried this way, but it certainly is odd.
1: Welcome. We have been Expecting you
0: <laughs>
2: and now this month in history
0: in the month of June on the 5th in 1968. Robert F. Kennedy was shot and mortally wounded while leaving the Ambassador Hotel in Los Angeles. His brother, John F. Kennedy, had been assassinated five years before as well. He had served as attorney general under his brother and resigned in 1964 so that he could run for the Senate. He decided to run for president in 1968 and he was celebrating his victory in the California presidential primary at the Ambassador Hotel. He had just finished addressing his supporters after midnight and was making his way through the hotel's kitchen when a Palestinian named Sirhan Sirhan opened fire with a 22 caliber revolver. Six people were hit with Kennedy being shot three times. He succumbed to his injuries at 1.44 a.m. He was only 42 and left behind a wife and 11 children. Bobby was buried at Arlington National Cemetery near to his brother's final resting place.
2: Fort Henry was built during the War of 1812 in Ontario, Canada. The fort was constructed to protect the nearby Point Henry because of its proximity to the Royal Naval Dockyards. The fort that stands today is not the original. It was fortified later on to protect the waterways even more thoroughly. Today it is a UNESCO World Heritage Site and a living museum. There are more than just the living here. The fort also seems to harbor spirits from the past. Those tours are hosted and dozens of people have claimed to have had paranormal experiences. Join us as we explore the history and hauntings of Fort Henry.
0: Fort Henry was built along a vital trading route near the mouth of the St. Lawrence River and the fort protected communication between Kingston and the eastern settlements of the area. French explorer Jacques Cordier had explored the Gulf of St. Lawrence on three separate voyages in the 1530s and 1540s. He gave the country of Canada her name. It was the Iroquois name for settlement. Cartier blazed a path for colonization by France and began some limited fur trading with the First Nations that lived along the St. Lawrence River. He was not as successful with trading because he focused on furs used as trimming and adornment rather than the coveted beaver pelt. He was ultimately seeking the northeast route to Asia. He never found that route. He returned to France after the third voyage and lived out his life as a navigational expert never
2: exploring again. The War of 1812 broke out between Britain and America, and Canada became a central battleground. With the importance of the St. Lawrence River, it was decided that forts needed to be built along the route for protection. Point Henry was one of these points. The fort was constructed high atop Point Henry overlooking Lake Ontario. A dry moat leads down to the water's edge on both sections of the fort, making it impossible for the fort to be completely surrounded. The fort itself is surrounded by a dry moat as well. Discipline was paramount at the fort and punishment harsh. After the war, the Rideau Canal was built. That construction took place from 1826 to 1832 and it became even more important for the area to be protected because three important waterways intersected here, the Raidu Canal, the St. Lawrence River, and Lake Ontario. Fort Henry needed improvements, so it was reconstructed between 1832 and 1837.
0: This reconstruction was supposed to be more extensive. They had high hopes for it. But that canal that they built, as usually tends to happen, went way over budget. So they didn't have the money that they really wanted to put back into the fort. So they did add a little bit more to the fort. And then they built these four Martello Towers. And they're spaced along the Kingston waterfront. This made Fort Henry the largest fortification west of Quebec City. The fort cost 70,000 British pounds sterling to construct, which is the equivalent to approximately 35 million in modern Canadian currency. Some soldiers were allowed to bring their families with them. So this was a little bit different than what we would hear about some of the other forts. But usually a military fort of this nature, you wouldn't hear about families being there, but they had them here. They even had a schoolroom for the children. Bugles, drums, and bagpipes helped to communicate battle instructions, and the Royal Welsh Fusiliers were stationed at the fort in the 1840s. Today, the mascot of the fort is a goat named David, and he represents the Fusiliers. Can you imagine naming a goat David?
2: No, it's kind of cute, though.
0: This group was one of the oldest infantry regiments of the British Army, and it's part of the Prince of Wales Division. A fun fact is that the surrender of Yorktown, the Royal Welch Fusiliers, was the only British regiment that would not surrender its colors after the British lost at Yorktown. They smuggled their flag out, tied around an ensign's
2: waist. They're like, we're taking it, we're going to hide it. You're not getting our flag. By 1870, the British no longer had use for the fort, and they abandoned it, so Canadian troops moved in and stationed themselves there until 1891. Neither the original fort or the second one ever came under military attack. There was not much use for the fort after that time, and it fell into disrepair until 1936. Ronald L. Way started an effort at that time to turn the fort into a living history museum, and in 1936, restoration of the fort was begun as a make-work project during the Great Depression. It opened on August 1, 1938, and cost over $1 million. Prime Minister Mackenzie King officially opened it, and it was dedicated to all the British soldiers who had served within its walls. During World War II, it was closed to the public and used as a prisoner of war camp. It was known as Camp 31. It was reopened to the public in 1948. It has been named as a National Historic Site, and today the former military quarters have been transformed into a restaurant and bar. The fort is like a little village with displays, and there is even a working bakery. The host tours conduct demonstrations of firing cannons and troop movements, and the top of the fort offers great views of Kingston.
0: Denise, I like watching some of these demonstrations with the troop movements because they look really cool and everything, but when you think about the fact that they would use these in battle, it was kind of like the Redcoats when they would do their little marches and do everything in a line and very regimented. It's a really stupid way to fight.
2: Yes, so not a smart way to fight. It looks good to display pageantry, but when somebody's shooting at you, you better just duck.
0: Exactly. I love watching them flip their guns and do all kinds of things together. But yeah, when you're out on the battlefield, you uh, listen to your leader and run like hell.
2: It becomes Fort Fright for the Halloween season. The Haunted Walk of Kingston offers a ghost tour of Fort Henry, so this location has some spirits wandering around.
0: And one of the people who is with The Haunted Walk joined us on an episode many, many eons ago. I think it was the Carlton Jail that we did in Ontario or something. I remember his name was Jim, but he had joined us for that. So that's the same group, The Haunted Walk. They do it in several cities. I think there's three or four cities in Canada that they do them in. One of the ghosts is believed to belong to John Gunner Smith. He was a rifleman whose weapon malfunctioned and exploded in his face. This sent him flying backwards off the top of the fort down into the dry moat below where he screamed in agonizing pain until he died. Many people have reported seeing an injured man lying in the ditch, while others have reported hearing the sounds of people scurrying in the area. His wails have been heard as well. Niles von Schultz was a Finnish-born nationalist that became involved in the Upper Canada Rebellion in the early 1800s. He was captured, tried for insurrection, and hanged in 1838. There are claims that he haunts the commander's room number three. He likes to move objects around in that room. And then there are these tales about a man in a blue uniform who wanders around several areas of the fort. Not sure who he is, if he is linked to either one of these two men or if he is somebody separate.
2: And we did find a review on TripAdvisor by Carly V. This is a review of the Haunted Walk of Fort Henry done by the Haunted Walk of Kingston. Seriously cool time. We got to see the fort at night with barely any lights in the rain which added some spooky atmosphere to our evening. I think we got a lot of extra stories that we may not have gotten during the normal day tour. Not for the faint of heart. There were two major ghost experiences on just our tour alone that night and we captured an EVP as well. Really unique way to see the fort. Highly recommended.
0: And I sure wish that she would have shared what those two major ghost experiences were. I was like, wow, they were so major that you didn't even write them out. <laughs> I would think you'd want to share them. But so I was like, oh, that's a bummer. I wish she would have shared those. Rob Brown also wrote on TripAdvisor, this place is phenomenal. It's so cool. Kids love it. Heck, the ghost hunters loved it because the ghost hunters did come here and do an investigation. But they don't know a story I know. According to one of the night guards, all the canteens came off the shelf in one of the rooms and onto the table one night. Come to see the fort and you'll know the room. The night guard was sincere. Why do I believe her? Well, a door closed behind me on its own. Go and visit if you're brave enough. Rusty wrote of an experience he had In 2010, I took my family, which consisted of my wife, our one year old daughter, and myself, on a trip to see Old Fort Henry in Kingston, Ontario, Canada. This fort is known for ghost experiences. I've had many ghost experiences in my life so maybe I'm more sensitive to things than others but that's another story. While taking a group tour we came to a hallway leading to the fort's officer quarters. My daughter started acting up in what could best be described as refusal to enter the hallway. She was in a stroller at the time. My wife and her stayed back while I went on with the group. After seeing the living quarters of the officers which is secured with a glass front so no one can enter, the group moved on to the kitchen area. A few minutes later, I decided to leave the group to go check on the wife and daughter. After checking to make sure things were okay with the family, I followed the hallway back past the commanding officer's quarters to catch back up with the group. As I passed this room, I glanced back in for an extra look. Standing in front of the writing desk located in the room was a rather tall, British uniformed officer who turned and looked at me and then just faded away. Needless to say, it did not take me long to catch up with the group. At the end of the tour, I asked the guide about ghost sightings in the fort and he did mention that there had been reports of an officer's ghost along with several others being sighted, sometimes in the hallway through which we had walked. And I'm wondering, this is a British officer, uniformed officer, so this would not be either one of John Gunner Smith or Niles Von Schultz. So I'm not sure exactly who that would be. And I don't know if this might be the man in the blue uniform, but I'm assuming if it's a British uniformed officer, it
2: would have been red. That's what I would think, but I don't know, like, their colors or their ranking, so maybe.
0: What what I find fascinating, now, we did have, uh, you know, one person who was hanged here, the other who died basically in an accident, but we didn't really have any military action going on with this fort, so it is interesting to have all of these hauntings
2: going on here. That is very odd, Diane.
0: And now we are joined by our listener, Sarah Norton. Sarah, you suggested to us Fort Henry, and we'd never heard of Fort Henry, so we're very excited to find out more about it. And I thought we could start off with you sharing with everybody a little bit about yourself, particularly, I believe you came over to us from the Big Seance podcast, so you obviously are into the paranormal, so what got you interested in that?
3: Mostly the ghost hunter shows and that. It's always just been a big thing for me.
0: Have you had any of your own personal experiences?
3: I did. I actually had some at Fort Henry and also at my grandmother's funeral.
0: Your grandmother's funeral. We have to find out more about that.
3: Yeah, we were in doing the actual uh, ceremony. We had the lights flickering, the DVD player wouldn't work, and the candle knocked over. It was lit, but it went out as it fell over. The most personal thing to me is I actually felt this really cold spot around me, Mm. and it felt like uh, somebody had their hand on my knee, tried to say, like, it's okay.
0: So, basically, you're telling us that Grandma tried to burn down the place (laughs) first, and then she decided to comfort you.
3: (laughs) Well, maybe.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's just uh, supposing that it was your grandmother trying to let y'all know that she was still there and watching what was going on. But it could have been anything as far as we know.
3: Yeah. And it's always made me wonder if it was actually her or not.
0: Mm hmm. Where do you live in relation to Kingston? I know you're in Ontario, but I don't know how far apart where you're at and Kingston are.
3: I'm in Port Hope and I believe Kingston's like an hour and a half away from me.
0: Okay, so this is a place that you occasionally drive to to go sightseeing and what have you?
3: Oh, yeah. I also have my uh, 100 year old great grandmother actually lives in Kingston.
0: (laughs) Oh, wow. You guys have good (laughs) genetics. 100
2: years old?
3: Yeah, she's my actually only living great grandparent.
2: Wow. (laughs) I'm impressed. You guys will have to get her on one of the Smucker's jars. Do you know what that is? (laughs) Like where they put. Oh, yeah. Yeah, when people turn 100, they get to be on Smucker's jelly. Well,
3: she's got. She actually got a letter from the Queen. The Queen of (laughs) England? (laughs) Yeah, Queen Elizabeth. She also got one from our prime minister who was pretty cool. <laughs> That's
2: really cool. That's wow. even better than the smugglers, I think.
3: So how many times have you
0: been out to Fort Henry?
3: I've actually only been out there once, but I will never spend the night ever again.
0: <laughs> Which means that you spent the night one time before?
3: Yes, it was it was for a cadet trip, so we have like Air Cadets, Sea Cadets and Army Cadets up here. I don't know about down the States, but it's like a youth program It's for kids like 12 to 18. So it was like our, it was either our March, I think it was our March break trip. So we got to go spend the day there and then also spent the night. Well, what does Fort Henry look like? So they've got the gigantic parade square and then where the shops are, it's actually... It's got another kind of gigantic opening. It's basically almost one gigantic building. <laughs> and of the, the barracks and stuff line the outside wall.
0: Do they have a lot of things set up so that you can walk around it and see what it was like during the time that it was open as a fort?
3: They have like a schoolhouse set up. The area where like kind of like quarters set up with like fold out beds and you can wear the old time jackets. In the main part by the Prairie Square, they've got the tu- the tunnels underneath. Then they've got the main area is where they have the school stuff and that on the main floor. And then up above that, they have more rooms that have more of the museum type stuff in it. So they've got old stuff they used back then.
0: So when you were there, did they talk about the ghosts or is this just something that you experienced and went, oh my gosh, this place must be haunted?
3: Well, they did have this kind of like mini ghost tour.
0: Now for you personally, what did you experience?
3: When we were going through that part for the ghost tour, I actually felt like I couldn't breathe at some points. And being asthmatic, that doesn't help being in a combined space either.
2: Mm -hmm.
3: But there was that and it felt really cold. And this was just standing in front of that Captain Quarters area. Because it's like three rooms and it's like booked off and it's the one in the middle. And it just, I kind of felt like somebody was staring at me.
0: (laughs) Okay. So you just had this really weird feeling like somebody was watching you.
3: Oh, yeah.
2: And then the cold spot, did it feel like a cold spot when you said it was really cold? I don't
3: know if anybody else felt it, but... To me, the whole room felt cold. It was early spring, so I don't know if that was probably why. It went from being
0: like a normal temperature to you then to a cold temperature.
3: We were allowed to wander a little bit beforehand. And the first time I went in there it was like perfectly fine.
0: Okay, so this is definitely, <laughs> it was a change in temperature for you. Oh yeah. Now, do you consider yourself to be sensitive?
3: I'm honestly not sure.
0: <laughs> okay, so it was just something that maybe it just decided you were the one it wanted to go after. So what else did you experience?
3: Well, after that, we continued the tour through. They explained the different stories. The uh, the room that the boys slept in, they actually, I think it was used as a prison room and somebody acted our way through the wall but it was all like blocked off and then it comes on the other side of that wall it comes down where you go down into the tunnel like the tunnels and then we went into the one gunnery chamber and there was this door that I believed it probably led on to more of the rooms and stuff but it was blocked off with a door and it was locked I first started by standing by that door it was pretty, I believe if I remember right it's a pretty small room But the longer I stood there, the more I felt like somebody was staring at me. And it was just like very, very eerie Mm -hmm. and very weird that I actually had to move away from the door. Even though I moved farther away from the door, I still kind of had that feeling that somebody was standing on the other side of the door staring at us. I think that was it of my experiences during the tour but later that night it was like extremely dark and when you walk in from the main entrance off to the right hand side there's like on the top left and when you turn facing that wall there's a turret on the top left and a turret on the top right we were out on the parade square and i actually saw what was this white light standing by side one of those guns and I tried to get a picture of it
0: when you say a white light was it like an orb type light
3: it kind of looked almost like a person was standing there so it was like the height of an actual person
0: so it was like you almost were seeing something that was glowing white
3: yeah (laughs) okay and I tried showing my friends but I don't think they actually see it because everybody was out and about we were playing manhunt which is kind of like an extreme (laughs) hide-and-seek game I tried to get a picture of it, but the camera was kind of crappy.
0: When they do the tour there, they say that there is a ghost that they refer to as the Wandering Man, and that is where he likes to hang out, is right there on that parade walk. So you see this shimmering kind of white figure, and you don't take a picture of it. Did it just disappear?
3: Well, I tried to take a picture of it, and I guess I had the flash on. So it didn't really capture it, but it seemed to that after the flash went off, it kind of disappeared.
0: And you didn't see it again after that? No. So did they give you any kind of lighting while you were sleeping or were you just in this really dark fort?
3: Well, we had we brought stuff with us for overnight, so we had flashlights in that. So if we had to go out to go to the bathroom... We just took our flashlight, which is another eerie thing to do altogether, is to walk to the bathroom by yourself.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I wouldn't be doing it, not at a haunted fort at night. No, not by myself. I'd be like, "Uh, Denise, you're coming with me. So did anything happen when you guys were going to sleep or after you went to sleep?
3: I actually couldn't get to sleep because, honestly, I kept hearing what seemed to be drums playing, Hmm. and... I told my brother about this the next day and I believe he actually heard it too but he was trying to tell me oh they're just practicing the band's just practicing and and I'm just sitting there like um
0: in the middle of the night
3: what, what band <laughs> plays drums at like 10 o'clock at night to practice.
0: Now, were you the only people that were there were the cadets?
3: It was just us and I believe security because we could hear like, because I believe the room that the girls were next to was either the schoolhouse or the bakery. So you could hear them come out the door and you could hear them walk past. So I think that's the only people that were there.
0: And did you see drums anywhere at the
3: fort? Um, I actually don't think so. I don't think we went anywhere that had drums. They may have had some in the museum area.
1: And
0: how close was the museum to where you were sleeping?
3: Well, the museum's like directly, they had probably like four or five rooms set up with different stuff up on the second level. But I think they were mainly towards the farther end away from us.
0: And how loud were the drums to you? Did it sound like something in the distance or something that was closer to you?
3: It sounded like it was in the fort.
0: On the parade grounds, and then you were just inside from there?
3: Yeah, we were We were actually, the where we slept, it's the bottom floor in the parade area. Okay. But it kind of sounded like it was more towards where the entrance was, or just outside. How would you called-
0: describe the drums? Did it sound like it was playing a beat like, you know, how they used to do when we watched the movies back during the different older wars where they would play a beat to march by? Did it sound like something Um, like that?
3: To me, it kind of just like someone just randomly playing the drums. It Mm -hmm. didn't sound like our 120 cadence, which we go by. So it just like sound like normal drum playing.
0: Yeah, I was just trying to get a feel of maybe if it was something that was more residual in nature so that it could have been, you know, something that was coming through from the 1800s. If it was supposed to be something that was more of an entertainment type thing or if it was something that was supposed to be more functional military wise, like get in line and get ready to do something, some drills or something like that.
3: Yeah, I'm not 100% sure if it could have been. (laughs) It's just bizarre because
0: I don't think there would be anybody that would be playing drums in the middle of the night. Not only is that a really weird time to do that, but I would assume if you guys are trying to sleep that it would not be encouraged. So was it just you and your brother who heard the drums or did some other people say they heard them too?
3: I believe I was actually talked to one of my friends who is actually awake with me still. And I think she heard them as well. Okay. I never thought to ask anybody in the morning sure. <laughs> besides talking to my brother.
0: <laughs> well, and you probably don't want people to think you're weird if you're like, hey, did you guys hear some drums last night? <laughs> I'd be like, what are you talking about?
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sometimes it's kind of weird if you if you don't know for sure somebody else heard it to be able to verify that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did anything else happen after you heard the drums?
3: Oh, I fell asleep and that was that. <laughs> Nothing else the rest of the night.
0: Do you know, I think the ghost hunters have gone and investigated
2: here. Yeah,
3: that was actually my favorite episode. And I did not find out about that till after my trip to Fort Henry. So it kind of, some of the stuff, it's actually the commander's room three. It's actually, uh, it was Niles Van Schultz's room. So other than the knocking sounds and stuff that they experienced, but the cold spots and the kind of like trouble breathing, if I remember right. But that kind of almost validated for me that there was something going on when I was there.
0: And I like that you saw it afterward because, again, then it doesn't predispose you to expect something to happen to you like what happened to them. So it's better that you got to see it afterward and that it verified your own personal experience that way.
3: Oh, yeah. I've always heard it was haunted, but I never actually heard any of the stories about
2: it. Yeah, well, I know that when I was just trying to look up some pictures and stuff of it, and I just put in Fort Henry, Canada, it was like everything came up with ghost tours, haunted, most haunted. Like there was none, just normal website that would say, oh, here we are. Here's Fort Henry. Everything else was ghost haunted, this and that. I had
3: that same problem, too.
0: Sarah, we wanted to thank you for suggesting Fort Henry to us and sharing your eyeballs of what it looks like and your
2: experiences that you had there.
0: You're both very welcome. Have a great night.
2: Yeah, have fun.
0: All right, bye-bye.
2: Sarah definitely felt as though something creepy was hanging around the fort. The Haunted Tour has recorded dozens of experiences. Is Fort Henry haunted? That is for you to decide. Another place to check out there in Canada, Denise. Another one of our forts. Or We're starting to need to do more than one road trip a year, I think. On our next episode,
0: we're going to be featuring Tilty Abbey. And this was suggested to us by Bob Shearfield. And it's a place that he visited and he sent me a whole bunch of pamphlets on it. So we're looking forward to bringing that to you guys. So we'll be going across the pond again. Cool. I have another podcast for you guys to check out. It is called The Not Alone Podcast. This one has a lot of uh, creepy stories in it, a lot of oddities, UFOs, werewolves, ghosts, you name it. They've got that going on there. Really great production. I've been enjoying a binge of that show, so I encourage you guys to check it out if you're into that kind of thing. And as this episode drops, we are at the Haunted America Conference 2017. And hopefully we have been sending out some live shots to all of you guys on Facebook over in the Spooktacular crew. We have been taking video and I have a feeling we're going to have a bonus cast for our executive producers as well. We have a couple of reviews to share from iTunes. The first one is from Froggy Fangs. History and hauntings five stars. This is one of the first podcasts I ever listened to and years later, it's still one of my favorites. Diane and Denise have sweet voices that take us all over the world to learn the history of a particular location and then the hauntings that occur there. It's always interesting and fun and it's generally appropriate to listen to in front of kids. My eight-year-old daughter only got spooked once when they were talking about a kid who had been murdered. Otherwise, she's never heard anything that was inappropriate for her. There we go. Another kid, Denise. And eight, I think, is probably the
2: youngest listener we've had. I I can't remember. I can't remember, but keep listening, our youngins.
0: If you love history and you love stories of the paranormal, try it out. I know that was a review from Jen. So thank you, Jen, so much for that. And then from the podcast Popcorn and Pod People, because reality is strange and wonderful, five stars. Diane and Denise take listeners on a tour of all things eerie and bemusing in history. They explore times and places with an eye for the subjective effects of each upon the sojourner. There are some great trips through the bazaar that will have you wanting to curl up with a nice cup of tea and a comfy quilt. Everyone at my house loves to listen. Well, thank you so much for that. We appreciate that. We want to thank you guys for tuning in to this episode. I have been your host, Diane. And this has been Denise. You take care now. Bye-bye. This episode has been brought to you by our executive producers. We'd like to welcome new executive producers, Athanasia. And Miriam Waller. Thanks.
3: Fan of the show? Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast catcher. We would greatly appreciate your review at iTunes as well to help the show grow. Thank you.